Hello, this is Dennis Thomas with Things That Matter, where we speak about everything from faith to finance and all things in between. So last time we spoke, we were touching on this very important story about Adam and Eve in the Bible. They set the stage for what is about to come. And this is really the stage that all of us are on right now because we know with this story, it's a story with many characters and we're touching on some of the most important characters in the Bible that are part of the story, but we know that we're also a part of the story. And we also play a key role because we are being saved. Jesus Christ dies on the cross for our sins, right? He comes on this earth as a man, as a God-man, but part of the reason that he needed to come on the earth as man is because only man could pay the price for what was happening. And when we see in the Bible, we learn about sin came in the world through one man, uh, which is Adam, and through that man came death. Because every time we sin, someone has to die. And that's the penalty that we pay for and the price that we pay for sinning. And in this case, in order for our sins to be wiped away and for the penalty to be paid or that price to be paid, someone had to die. God dies on the cross as God-man. He takes our place for those that believe in him. We are able to take advantage of those benefits and that means that we live forever, which is why Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again on the third day, and what a wonderful story. He defeats the last enemy, which is death. Therefore, we never see death for those of us that believe. But back to the story at hand here. Last time we met, we were speaking about Adam and Eve. They were the first important characters in the Bible. We spoke about how Eve was created as an equal. So each of them making up for what the other one lacked. So there is equality here, right? Women are fighting for equality. But Jesus is trying to set that straight right from the beginning of the story. We know that they are one unit. So they fit together perfectly, like putting a key into a lock and it unlocks the door. It fit perfectly as one unit. And we see here that the couple is one unit. And so we see this definition of marriage. And then life coming from life, not life coming from non-life, because uh, Jesus Christ, God is life. And he was the one, John 1, 1. It says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. Darkness is like, what's going on here, right? So we learned a lot of things there. But now we're moving on to these next two important characters, Cain and Abel. So we see here Cain and Abel. We've heard this story before, right? We're going to touch on this a little bit, but also dive in a little bit deeper on some important parts of it. Cain was uh, Cain and Abel the first children that Adam and Eve had, according to the Bible. Uh, Adam and Eve had many children, but these are the first children they speak about. So after Adam and Eve eat of the apple and Jesus, uh, God gives them the penalty that they have to pay for that. And we see here that the first animal dies, then we see that Adam knew his wife, right? So we put that in quotes, knew his wife. We know what that means. And they had children. And they had Cain and they had Abel. So we see here that Cain was a farmer. Uh, Abel 
was a skilled shepherd who took care of the family's animals. And one day, Cain and Abel, so they're two brothers that Adam and Eve had these children, Cain and Abel. One day, Cain and Abel made sacrifice to the Lord to worship and thank him. And this is where we begin to see the story start to unfold. And they quickly get into this. So we have one brother, Cain, who brought some of the produce from the land, so fruits and vegetables. And we have Abel, who brought the firstborn of his sheep. And we also learn in the story, and this is in Genesis 4, for those of you that want to begin to read the story a little bit deeper. But we see here that God showed favor upon Abel's sacrifice. And we know that Abel Abel brought the uh, firstborn of his sheep. And... What that did was it caused Cain to become angry and jealous. And at this point, Cain was so angry and jealous that he lured his brother into the fields and then he killed him with a rock. And after that, God calls out to Cain to ask what happened. Right? We think that God probably already knew what happened because he knows all. But he calls out to Cain, asks what happened. Cain lied about killing his brother and God punishes Cain. And we know about that famous verse, am I my brother's keeper? He says to God, like, how am I supposed to know what he's up to? I have no idea. Meanwhile, he killed his brother, and now he's lying about killing his brother. And not only killing him, and and I remember listening to this show on Sirius Radio, and the, uh, the, the host of the show, the hostess, receives a phone call from somebody and he's trying to represent the Bible and he's on the side of the Bible. And I don't know if she was not on the side of the Bible, but she made a comment how the Bible says that thou shalt not kill and uh, meanwhile we we kill all the time. And she kind of thought that it was, you know, how, how can we believe everything in the Bible when it makes a comment like that and it seemed to be hypocritical But we see here there's a difference between killing and murder. And in this story, we see that Cain killing his brother was not just, he didn't just kill him, okay? One of the reasons why this story is so important is because this, we have the first lie that was told by the devil, right? In in the beginning of Genesis, in Genesis 2, to Adam and Eve and telling them to eat uh, the apple and God really didn't want you not to eat of the apple. Um, you know, he, and he's trying to, to kind of quote God here, and he's telling lies to Adam and Eve, and they fall into that, which is one reason why we should definitely be in the Word, be in the Bible, because the devil could lie to us in that case if we're not aware of that. But what we see here is that he didn't just kill him, but he murders him. And when you murder somebody, there's thought behind that. Sometimes it's personal. Uh, It's premeditated. So he didn't just uh, do it in self-defense, let's say, or uh, I wasn't planning on doing this. He thought about it. He planned it, and then he actually did it. So you had a lot of time to think about what you're doing. And so what we see in the Bible with the Ten Commandments is that thou shalt not murder is really the appropriate way and the correct way to see that commandment. And that's different than thou shalt not kill. So the Bible's not telling us not to kill, right? Sometimes you're killing in self-defense. We have uh, 
the military that protects us and people have to die sometimes just to protect us and protect our country. But it's saying that should not murder because there's a difference between killing and murder. And so what we see here in the story is the first murder, the world's first murder exists and it exists by Cain murdering his brother Abel. And it's all because he was angry and jealous. But if we look here at the story itself, Cain brought some of the produce from the land, right? Because we're trying to think now, why did God accept Abel's sacrifice but not accept Cain's sacrifice? Now, Cain brings the first fruits of his labor. One of the things we realize here is that Cain brings his sacrifice but it was offered only in show, but not offered in faith. Where Abel, who brings the firstborn of his sheep, is offered in faith. Now, if we look at Hebrews 11.4, Hebrews 11.4 kind of explains to us a little bit of what was going on at this time here. And what we see in 11.4 is that it shows us that Abel brought his sacrifice to the Lord with faith, where we see that Cain did not. And one of the things that we learn in the Bible is that faith is a crucial part of being a Christian because we can't fully worship God, we can't fully worship Jesus Christ without having faith. Hebrews eleven six even goes on to say, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith, if we think of the definition, is a belief in God without seeing Him. Now, it's not blind faith. It's faith based on evidence. One of my very first episodes was speaking about all the reasons, and there were like four or five objective principles that show and prove that God really exists. One of them was the beauty and order of the universe. We see that the universe spins counterclockwise on its axis, slightly tilted. We live in a Goldilocks planet. We see the beginning and the existence of a finite universe. We know that the Earth had a beginning. Time actually allows us to know that we had a beginning, because if that didn't happen, then we would never be living in the present. There would never be a past, there would never be a future. But we know that time had a beginning. And so we see here the beginning and the existence of a finite universe, the existence of a finite mind. You're talking about something that's non-physical. But we know how real it is because we have thoughts. And if someone took a scalpel and opened up your brain, they wouldn't find your mind in there because it's non-physical. And then we have objective moral law, the idea that things are actually considered wrong. We don't have to prove that everything's wrong, but if you could prove that at least one thing is wrong, how did all of that come by the Big Bang? How did the Big Bang create objective moral law? Objective moral law is not something that you could touch or feel or see, but you know how powerful it is. That's why killing innocent people is wrong. That's why rape is wrong. That's why murder is wrong. So we see here there are objective principles for us to know that God exists. So when we think about faith, it's not blind faith, but it is a faith in God without seeing Him. And we see here in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to worship God. So 
it didn't matter what Cain brought. If you brought it without faith and you brought it in show, it would never be able to please God. And so we see here that Abel bringing his firstborn of a sheep, he did it through faith. He was able to please God. This is why God accepted and favored Abel's sacrifice over favoring Cain's sacrifice. Not only that, if we think about this too, Abel brings the firstborn of a sheep. The firstborn of a sheep would be considered a lamb. Jesus Christ in the Bible is called the Lamb of God, right? We know this. In the Bible, we see in multiple verses, John 1.29, John 1.36, Jesus Christ is called the Lamb of God. We know in Exodus 12, the Passover feast, Jesus Christ was going to strike down every firstborn of Egypt, but he would pass by the houses that had blood on the doorpost by the Passover lamb. So they take the blood of the lamb, put it on their doorpost, and this will protect the Israelites so that when Jesus comes, he doesn't take the firstborn of their house. So we see another example here of the lamb representing Jesus Christ, the lamb saving us. Now Abel dies, but we see here he still speaks from the, from the ground. In the Bible, it speaks about that in Genesis 4, if you read on. It says that we can still hear his voice from the ground because he's still speaking. But he sacrifices, he brings a lamb there. We see here, this is an example, and a, a lot of things too to learn here in the Old Testament. It's a foreshadowing of things to come. And those things to come will be things that happen in the New Testament. But we see here that he brings a sacrifice of a lamb, which is a type of Christ. This is the Lamb of God. Jesus accepts that as a sacrifice. And we notice a blood sacrifice has always been necessary to atone for sin. So there's multiple layers here. One is that Cain brings his sacrifice without faith, and without faith it's impossible to please God. He brings a sacrifice that's the first fruits of his land, so he brings fruits and vegetables, whereas Abel brings a lamb. The lamb is representing something that we see happening in the New Testament, but it even represented things that happened in, in Exodus, in the Old Testament. It was very important for Jewish religious life and for the sacrificial system for a lamb to be used to cover the sin. So the sacrifice of a lamb plays a very important role in Jewish religious life. And we read in the Old Testament, a lot of times they would atone for their sins by sacrificing a lamb. And it's funny, if we look at, in that Exodus 12, verse 11 through 13, and they slay the Passover lamb and they apply it on the, door, on the blood, uh, doorpost of the house, we see here, it's in this story, one lamb for a man. So in the story of Cain and Abel, Abel sacrifices that lamb. So you have one lamb for one man. So that lamb represented Abel. He brings that lamb to Jesus' sacrifice. In the Passover feast in Exodus, one lamb for a family. So that one lamb that they 
bring and put on the doorpost would protect everyone in that house. And typically, you'd have a family living in that house, right? I have a family here, a family of five. So that, that blood on the doorpost would protect the whole family. And then the Day of Atonement, when Jesus Christ dies on the cross, it's one lamb for a nation because Jesus' blood as one person, and that's where we see the God part. So the man part shows that he's representing us and he could take our place because only man, right, the animal only covered the sin, right? So the lamb, that, that they, they, they use that lamb once a year, right? Or, or maybe they did it more than that during different types of sacrifices in the Old Testament. That covered their sin. Jesus Christ comes and dies on the cross, and he washes away that sin. But not only that, he washes it away for all of us. And that's where the fact that he's God and he's powerful and he's everywhere and he creates all this, he could wash away the sin for all of us that believe and he could take the place for all of us. So in the story with Abel, it's one lamb for one man. In the Passover story, it's one lamb for a family. And in the Day of Atonement, it's one lamb, Jesus being that lamb of God, for a whole nation. He could watch over all of us. And this is such a wonderful example of what he does for us. And a wonderful example of the story that we see here. So one of the things that we notice too with faith is that faith is not something that we necessarily can see. But it's something that, you know, because we think about how we see people. A lot of times it's seeing people on the outward side, right? Because we can't always see what's inside, but God sees what's inside. God sees man not as we see man. He can distinguish between spiritual and carnal ones. And whatever works do not spring from faith are unacceptable to God. So God can see the faith within us, and that's sometimes how he's able to distinguish between who's his and who's not. And thus, and thus again, is having that faith to believe in God without seeing him. But then the question comes, where does faith come from? And like all things special in this world, it is a gift. We see here in Ephesians 2.8, by God's grace, not a gift, Right? Or a gift, not because we earned it, not because we deserve it, but it's a gift from God, given to us by God, along with grace and mercy. So he gives us a lot of important attributes here, a lot of important pieces of actually things that are that are completely valuable. And you're talking about grace, mercy, faith. There's a lot of things that love he gives us that sometimes are not even things that you could see again, right? But if you even had to explain it, we could probably get close to it, but we probably can't explain fully what love is. It's a feeling that we have, and it's deep inside of us, and it's our core. But he gives it to us as a gift. He is those things, and he gives it to us. And so faith comes from him, and we see that in Ephesians 2.8. Because it's a gift that he gives us, not something that we deserve, it's not something that we could earn, not by works, that's what I really meant to say, I said not, not a gift, but not by works, lest we boast, right? Because sometimes if it is by works, then we think we did it. 
And we think that, that it's because of all the great things that we do, but it's not that. That's why this is so special, because this is a gift from God, and it's a gift that we didn't earn and we don't deserve. And that's why when we think about being Christians, we think about us doing things because we're a Christian. We don't do things to become a Christian. Right? So we don't tithe to become a Christian. We don't love to become a Christian. We don't read the Bible to become a Christian. We don't go to church to become a Christian. We do those things because we are a Christian. And there's a difference between that because we're not trying to earn something. And it's not something that we can earn at all. And we see here that once Abel dies, we know that it couldn't, the bloodline, right? Because we all came from Adam and we see that bloodline is now going to Cain and Abel, which means that Jesus Christ would have to come from that lineage as well. But we see here that whenever the devil or evil tries to thwart something, God has a plan. And once Abel dies, because he was the righteous one, right? Cain being the unrighteous one, we couldn't follow that lineage to Jesus Christ. I guess we could, right? But, but in this case, God has a different plan. And they have a son. Adam and Eve have another son that's going to take the place of Abel. And his name is Seth. And we see here that the Messiah ultimately comes from the lineage or the line of Seth. And Seth means set in place of. He's a replacement for Abel. One of the things that we're going to learn next time is one of Seth's descendants who is Noah. But, but Jesus Christ comes from this line of Seth. And Seth was considered a righteous man. And so we see this lineage. Noah's part of that lineage too. And eventually we lead to Jesus Christ. And so God has a plan. And that plan never gets thwarted. And the devil tries to come in, tries to come in early with Adam and Eve to get them to eat of the apple. Comes in early with Cain, with the first murder. We're no different. The devil does walk around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. But what we see in the story, and the reason why this story that we are a part of is so special, is because we know the ending. Jesus Christ dies on the cross for our sins. We know the ending. He defeats death. He defeats Satan. He throws him into the lake of fire. And then that last enemy was death. And he defeats death because he rises again. So those of us that believe in him, we follow that as well. So we know the end of the story. We know that even though Adam and Eve sinned, Jesus still protects them. Even though Cain murdered his brother, Jesus says you still, no one should, can lay a hand on him. And even he gets protected. He gets penalized, but he gets protected. And it really shows us that God gives us an opportunity and a chance at all times. And we should be thankful that we have the ability to love and that he gives us grace and mercy and that he's given us faith. Because none of this is earned by us. It's all a gift. And I think that's truly special that we have that ability. So next time we meet, we're going to touch on the next person in our story. And that person is Noah. Uh, we're going to, again, speak about these important people. And keep in mind, we are just as important as the people in the Bible because we are on the stage too. We're part of the story. Jesus Christ dies for all of us. And remember, he dies for our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. There's no 
bad we could do once we're saved. There's no bad we could do to go to hell. But prior to being saved, there's no good we could do to go to heaven. Right? You can't earn your way there. It's through God's grace. So thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Until next time, be well. Let's continue on our journey where learning is our destination. And I want you to have a great week. I know I will. All right, talk to you later.